We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guests. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guests for today, Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan, co-founders of Integris Performance Advisors. Brett and Evans met through their work as process improvement specialists. They came to realize that improving a company's productivity ultimately comes down to also addressing the issues that come up in working with people. When the company they worked with wasn't interested in going that route, they struck out on their own, forming Integris and learning all they could about how to help make more effective leaders and how to teach people to work better together. Their ideas are broken down in their recent book, Solving the People Problem. Essential Skills You Need to Lead and Succeed in Today's Workplace. They're also developing an app so employers can assess their own strengths and weaknesses, learn some new practices, and also see the various styles of their employees in order to understand better how to connect with and relate to them. The foundation of Brett's and Evans's philosophy is based on an understanding of emotional intelligence and how to better work alongside people with different styles. We all have our own styles of working, dictated by how we get energy, what stresses us out, and especially how we communicate. The more we can learn and understand not only how we tick, but how the others around us tick, the better off we'll be. We'll be more productive and foster more understanding. We'll also appreciate that other people can bring to the table and find people to work with that complement our skills. Ultimately, finding the right people to work with is often finding someone with common values, as Brett and Evans note in their own podcasts. Now, let's get better together. Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan, welcome to the podcast. 
Thanks, Jari. Looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Thank you very much. Going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And like I was telling you guys before, you are only the second episode where there's actually going to be three of us talking. So, uh, you know, everyone be a little uh, patient if I screw it up. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll try not to mess it up for you, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was it was pretty good. I had this uh, other co-founders um, on the show. They were doing, I haven't released it yet, but they were doing uh, what's called Femtech, which I never knew about, which is technology applied to you know, females and, and those that identify as females. It's a whole whole thing, which is really super fascinating. But uh, we'll we'll leave that episode to that episode. And what I want to talk about with you guys is Integris and what you're doing about people, your book, Solving the People Problem, which I can tell you is the number one reason why startups fail, businesses fail. They don't spend enough time on people. Um, but before we kind of get all into that, like I always like to say is, I would love to figure out how you guys got to do what you're doing today, especially together, which is the best story. Well, it's the story I want to hear anyway. So let me, let's take it away. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jari, so Evans and I actually met each other almost 20 years ago. Uh, I was running engagement planning for a consulting organization that focused on Lean Six Sigma process improvement, balance scorecard, kind of the you know the operations consulting. And Evans was one of our consultants. And this was back in the day when uh, GE and Starwood and Cisco, these big organizations were pounding on the table saying, you know, you got to get everybody in your organization trained as a Lean Six Sigma green belt. And you really got to get the process improvement methodology to be part of the DNA of your organization. And the consulting firm that we worked with was doing some great work. We were doing fantastic training programs and, and helping organizations uh, get some projects done that yielded literally millions of dollars in return. But Evans and I saw an opportunity back then. And the, the opportunity was that we kept having clients, especially the executives say, we want this what was called lean thinking to be part of the DNA of our organization so that our culture will evolve. And more times than not, what was happening is we were working on these projects, we were streamlining processes. So we're, you know, we're saving money, we're streamlining work, but we weren't really affecting the hearts and minds of people. And as a matter of fact, the thing that kept getting in the way was the human dynamics. So we kept seeing situations where, you know, teams weren't able to work very well together or leaders weren't uh, working very effectively with their direct reports. And so we saw an opportunity as we were doing this, this kind of work on the operations consulting, we saw an opportunity to bring in some other ideas to help these, these client organizations with their, with their leadership and with their team dynamics. And so we, we did that with a few organizations, with a few engagements, and it went really well. So at the time, I went to my, my then boss and you know, it was a relatively small business. And I went to him and I said, hey, you know, I, I think we might have something here that in addition to all of the great process improvement work that we're doing, how about we bring in some, some you know, new techniques associated with teamwork and, and, and leadership? And as everybody who's an entrepreneur who is listening right now can tell you, when you run your own business, you can do what you want with it. And he had a successful business. And so he kind of said, you know, that's not really the direction that I want to go with the business. And so at that point, the, the seed had already been planted 
for me and for Evans. And so we, we basically said, you know what, Let, well, we don't want to do it here. Let's go do this on our own. And so that's how we started Integris Performance Advisors, which I think broadly is probably a fairly common entrepreneurial story in that we saw a market opportunity and we were blessed with a little bit of luck. You know, if, if, uh, if things had gone differently and the gentleman who owned the other company wanted to do what we're doing, we'd probably still be working for him. We probably wouldn't be talking to you right now and Integra certainly wouldn't exist. So we got lucky and we saw an opportunity and we took it. Yeah, I, I, you're 100% right. Luck, opportunity, skill, all kind of alchemy of all that pulls together. And so, I mean, what what was it like to kind of co-found something together? I mean, you guys had worked together before, clearly kind of have that kind of fit, what, what I like to call a founder market fit, where you sort of, yeah, you know, any founder can do anything, but like you really understood this, it, it, the the leap for what we have to learn is more about, is there really a market for this as opposed to we got to learn all these skills. So how was it like to kind of come together and brave new world, right? <laughs> From the safety of the consultant company, how was that to found it together? Yeah, well, actually, so it, I think it was a relatively easy step for us to take, uh, especially on my side. Uh, I did consulting work for that, but I actually also had my own firm prior. So I, I was doing consulting work in a couple of different places. So I was already uh, used to, okay, some months this, the calendar is not full and the, the coffers are not going to get filled up a whole lot either. So the idea of kind of stepping out on our own, actually, this was giving me a larger company that I had in my, in my own step, just with the two of us, right? And it could grow from there. So, so from the risk perspective, I, I think probably Brett actually may have felt a little bit more of that discussion just because he actually was an employee and stepping into it. But Brett's risk tolerance is a lot higher than mine. Uh, I mean, one of the things that actually really makes us work is that we are very different people from one another. So um, where a lot of organizations, a lot of entrepreneurs who, who may start as kind of single person shops, they've got to build that diversity of thought. That kind of was an entering argument for us. While we agree on a lot of things, we have very different approaches. We have very different styles. And I think that's actually really been one of the, the core strengths of our being able to build this and then to kind of add pieces in for, uh, for bring some more diversity to the team. So, uh, so I, if I was supposed to feel it was risky, I somehow that just never registered with me. I, I maybe I was a little slow in the uptake on that one, but, uh, when you have something that you believe and that you want to go for, um, I, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you don't take that step. The risky part for me feels like staying somewhere when I feel like I can't give voice to what I believe. That's the part that feels riskier to me. Let, let me build on that a little bit. And, and actually, this, this, this might be the first tip or the first piece of advice that we're able to give in this conversation in that uh, what Evans was just kind of highlighting, we, we are different people. We have different skills and we have different styles. But what we have that is pretty much identical is values. Yeah. The, the values that we share uh, around family, around service, around the belief that we have to give value before we can get value has really made it easy for us to be business partners because our goals are always aligned. 
It also helps that we are actually financially very compatible as well. We're both savers. We're both 401k enthusiasts. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the money has never gotten in the way, not once. But what is different about us and what I would, would suggest to other entrepreneurs when you're looking for a partner is find people that share your values, but that have different skill sets and different styles. As you'll find out through this conversation, Jari, styles-wise, we're, we're, we're very different. As a matter of fact, in, in our book, Solving the People Problem, it's really at its core about do you understand different styles and emotional intelligence and things like that. But Evans is very much a, a think it through kind of a guy, um, a, a little more reserved on pace. And I'm more of a talk it through kind of guy. I'm, I'm like, ideas can't come fast enough kind of guy. And while that creates some, some interesting dialogues between us, the, the reality is those two different styles allow us to get to different points. And from a skill set point of view, Evans is, is like the, the best consultant, best leadership coach that I have ever met. And my skill is really more on the kind of the strategy, the, employ, uh, the engagement uh, conversation, you know, the relationship management. Uh, he and I both do a lot of the public speaking. So I think we're both really good at that. But there's, there's a balance of skill that we can offer to our clients that we bring. So in many ways, I mean, I agree with you, Evans. I, the risk wasn't terribly high for me because I saw the value of our relationship and I really saw balance between us. And I thought we'd be able to do more together than either one of us would be able to do on our own. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that it's that complementary skill set, I think is what, <laughs> what you guys hit on so beautifully. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the reason I think I think it's been three startups I've literally founded with the same group of people mm -hmm. because we just sort of get each other. And I think that's a very powerful thing to once you find to then say, okay, you know, can we work together or do we have the complementary skill sets to lead another business? And, you know, sometimes a lot of founders will, they'll do it with their buddies. Right. And, you know, there's something to be said about like knowing someone as a friend or whatever, but even the people that I've formed companies with, we started out as sort of working together and then eventually came friends mm -hmm. as opposed yeah. to the other way, which I yeah. think is a distinction that, I don't know, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that because it sounds like you started as kind of colleagues and then I'm assuming you're friends. I'm just, <laughs> you sound like you guys are friends. I don't know. What, what, what do you think of that dynamic? Yeah, yeah I, I think we are friends, definitely. Actually, really good friends. Uh, you know, I, I kept right among the best friends I've got. And, um, but yeah, we, we started out working together so that we, we frequently talk about the fact that leadership is a relationship, uh, but it's a relationship with a purpose. So it, it's not just the people, Hey, uh, we all get along. Let's hope we can accomplish something. It, it, it's actually for that purpose. So it was the fact that we saw skills that we could use with one another and we saw a way to create a, a better whole than either one of us could do solo that led to that relationship. Um, I, I mean, I think one of the one of the cues that I would give for anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur, who wants to do it in in a kind of a partnership or with another group of people, is pick people who you care about and who can, and who can be brutally honest with you. Um, it, because it it's not about being happy; it's about getting stuff done, right? So, uh, so I think there's a there's a real need for being able to be honest with one another. And, uh, and that's the importance of the relationship is that's what kind of gets us to where we can be honest without being hurtful. Uh, 
the same time. Uh, so, so I think, you know, finding the right people from both skill set, but also who you can work with, talk with, and who you can challenge and they can challenge you, I, I think is really important. And I, I, I would, I would argue, Evans, that the the ideas from solving the people problem actually are, are critical in enabling entrepreneurs to have those kinds of yeah. conversations. Um, in, in our book, Jari, we talk about the the need to really understand your own style. We're talking about communication styles and you know behavioral preferences and where your energy comes from, things like that. So we, we talk about knowing your own style and how you come across both both the strengths of that. And also, you know, if, if you overuse those strengths, you know, what's, what's the downside of that. Right. Uh, but, but we also talk about the need to understand other people's styles and more importantly, you need to honor those differences. And one mm-hmm. of the things that Evans and I did, I mean, long before we were even thinking about writing the book, we were essentially living that situation between the two of us where we we understood that we like to communicate differently and we honored that we embraced it and we put that to work for us uh for the benefit of our of ourselves for the business and for our clients and that's something that uh entrepreneurs of all sizes and shapes can learn to do so the beauty of these ideas which we kind of you know lump into the idea of emotional intelligence uh, essential skills that you need to lead and succeed these things are learnable. They're uh, it's something that you know if, over time, if you dedicate some effort to it, you can get better at it, and that means that you're going to work better with your partners as well as with anybody else that you're coming across in the business world. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad you brought up that point that it's a learnable skill that you can practice. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, entrepreneurs, especially tech entrepreneurs, I bag on them all the time, um, are too busy building the product to worry about like, you know, we were talking a little bit, the soft skills, like just tell me the process and the growth hack or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, in the communications, like how do I talk about my product? How do I tell a better story? And I'm always shocked that they spend more time like tweaking the the fonts and all the techie stuff and less time talking about what they do. And I think this broadly applies to if you're going to be with people and you're going to bring people on your team, you have to communicate with them where you're going in your head. Like, and you may be uncomfortable with that at first. And you may be like, oh man, I really don't want to talk to these people. It's just a waste of quote unquote time. But to your point about like when you guys work together and then you're like, hey, you know, we have these complementary skill sets. And then over time, of course, you become friends. I found that same dynamic with the, the group of people that I usually form companies with. Yeah. It's this inherent respect, first and foremost, that sort of breeds this esprit de corps. I can't even put my finger on it. It's so, it's hard to explain. I'm, I'm curious in your book, have you guys like explored that dynamic and like, what are the essential, I don't know, the essential like traits, values, and beliefs or the essential like foundation, that's a good word, foundation of how these relationships should handle or should be handled? So with the model that we're we're working with, we we are talking about a kind of a basic uh, emotional intelligence model. And and emotional intelligence is, is, I mean, it's been written about for 30 years. A couple of really key things. It probably matters more to your long-term success than your technical skills, than your IQ. 
right? It's not well, that's about true. That's how smart you true. are, right? It, it's <laughs> about can you work with other people, right? Um, which is really helpful for me. I'll just say that. But, uh, <laughs> me too, by yeah, the way, me too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, it, so you can build that. And no matter where you are, it, it's not like you're not stuck there. Your level of emotional intelligence is very malleable. You can improve it. It may take some intentional work, but you can improve it. And uh, so, so we wrote the book actually kind of for a new leader or maybe even a newer entrepreneur. Um, and, and we talked about kind of six different areas where knowing this stuff a little bit is going to help you. Really practical, tactical knowledge ideas, right? In your communications, in how you work with teams, in how you handle conflict in a productive manner, uh, in, in how you work with people outside the organization, sales, customer service kind of stuff, how you lead others, and, and even how, how your own style may impact your own decision-making. So we're trying to get people not to just think about the idea of emotional intelligence, but what are concrete steps I could take to start to improve my own emotional intelligence? Now, one of the things that you talked about, a lot of us, we go to our comfort zone. And if our comfort zone is my technical knowledge I've got to figure out how I'm going to kind of step outside of that comfort zone a little bit because there are other needs that my organization will have if I'm an entrepreneur. When you are a leader, and, and I don't think leadership is always a position, right? Leadership is a way in which I act. But, but if I'm a leader, one of the things I need to do, and I'm, I'm going to borrow from Jim Coos and Barry Posner, who've done some great work in, in, in leadership, wrote a book called Leadership Challenge. It's a highly recommended read for any anybody who's looking at being a leader. They talk about one of uh, their five uh, practices of exemplary leadership is to inspire a shared vision. That's all about communication. It's about how do I get my idea from where it is in my head to something we can all rally around? Because everybody wants to contribute to something bigger. The leader's role is to help us keep our eye on what is that something bigger that may be way down the pike that's not a safe, hey, here's what I get got to get done today or this week. It's where are we going? Yeah. It's a question that has to be answered. Totally. And it is a leader's role to kind of step up and be able to do that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I think your only job as executive leadership at any level is to communicate the vision. I Because I, I, I'm convinced you really can't convince anyone to do anything. Well, you can't tell anyone to do something. I'm sorry. You have to convince them to do something through a narrative and through a shared value system. Mm -hmm. And and I love your point about how you can learn this. And the one thing that I always kind of say is you never really rise to the occasion. You always fall back to your training. And I think, you know, the methodology that you guys have come up with is the more you train on that, on it, the more natural you're going to be, because you're right in a stressful situation, what's the technical CEO going to do? fall back to their technical prowess. Yeah. Um, I, I love the fact that you brought up training here because here, here, here's an important point. And here's a, here's a point that I think that Evans and I come at this stuff a little bit differently. And, and, and it connects with the, the history that we have, right? We've, we've already talked about the fact that we come from a more technical background, operational skills, um, you know, hard business results. Evans and I are not HR professionals from the beginning. What we do now largely falls into this world of HR. But the thing is, we have found ways that this emotional intelligence and this learning about your style and learning about other styles, 
it's not just a training thing anymore. Matter of fact, we've we've had uh, the opportunity to bring a uh, a product to market that doesn't even require g- going to training classes. Uh, and one of the things that we find with entrepreneurs and small businesses, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're not talking about big companies like Google and Comcast that have these big training budgets and put all kinds of people through, you know, uh, all kinds of leadership development training. As small businesses, you oftentimes just don't, you don't have the the resources or the time to do that. Well, we came to market with a product. You know, you, you mentioned earlier uh, femtech uh, technology for for uh, the female market. You know, we might call this people tech uh, in that it's technology that allows us to understand people. It's um, it's a new way to take a, a a styles assessment, but rather than getting a report and then having to go into a training session where you're talking about this, you now take an assessment and you immediately are put into this online platform that creates an employee directory of everybody in the organization. And you can see right there inside this platform, here are all the people in my organization and here's their style. And you can click on any one of those people and then you can see, okay, well, how do they like to communicate? What are some of the things that give them energy? What are some of the things that stress them out? And we're finding that as organizations are adopting this new product, they are able to increase the the functionality of their teams, the cohesion of their teams, because they're now being being taught on what... Why can't I get along with this person? Or why do we always frustrate each other? And (laughs) this platform allows you to understand this kind of stuff. And so some of the, some of the differences that people have between them, you know, they, they think that it's just, oh, I don't like that person or that person doesn't like me. And the reality is, it's just, you have different styles. So those styles are in conflict. We, We actually have a story in the book about a woman uh, her name was Megan, and she talked about how every morning uh, her boss would come in, blow right by her, not even say hello. She's she's a very friendly kind of a person, you know, always wants to say hi to people. Hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? That's her style. The boss is like, I got to get stuff done. She told this story about the boss comes in, blows right by her, doesn't even say hello. And in the story that she wrote for us for the book, she said at that point, I don't know why he hates me. And we actually did some work with her and helped her to realize a little bit more about her style, her preferences, you know, again, of being friendly and being more collaborative, you know, all the time. And we helped uh, her and and her boss understand, you know, he's a little bit more just results driven. He's not thinking about, hey, what'd you do this weekend? He's thinking about the stuff that I got to get done today. So he, she, she, she concluded the story by saying, you know, he still comes in, still blows right past my desk. But now I chuckle and I still don't, you know, he, he does something that I don't do, but I chuckle because I know that's just his style and I know he doesn't hate me and it has enabled us to get rid of the frustration, get rid of some of those bad feelings and just recognize, you know, hey, we're a little bit different. So the effectiveness of their working relationship has gone up. And as a result, their, their enjoyment and their engagement at work and satisfaction out of work has gone up as well. And, and I think that's a very critical thing to realize yeah. that uh, you can get a lot of productivity, a lot of alignment when you understand these things. I mean, it's almost like 
this should be almost required reading for every entrepreneur and every startup that's thinking about going on the journey. Because the number one reason why startups fail is people problems. Yep. Co-founders don't agree. They they get they don't understand their dynamic the, the dynamic excuse me between them, and all of these like emotions just rule the day. And I'm not saying that emotion is bad, and you of course you want to be emo- you're a human yep. like. But when it comes to business, the ego and emotion are what prevent you from making those key critical decisions at key points. Like I've been at so many companies where the decision had to be made and of something critical and the egos got in the way and the company cratered because they couldn't, they didn't understand this dynamic or there was, again, you fall to the level of your training. Like you, you just, they just went back in their cage and then they just kind of went off on their own. So I like yeah, the I, idea of, of, yeah, of an yeah, I'm app. Sorry. I, I think we run into this all the time. I mean, I, mean yeah. I, I almost look at it when an organization, when we don't have people building their emotional intelligence and they're not better understanding themselves, better understanding the people around them. It, it's a level of turbulence or feedback in the system that gets in the way of absolutely everything they do. And and we end up with uh, people that we're communicating with where we're not we're not even communicating. We're kind of talking past one another because I'm so busy with my style, I can't even see that you're coming at this from a different perspective. And and what our work has helped some organizations do is not look at that as my way of communicating in the wrong way, which is all too often what happens. Uh, but to actually understand that it's just different perspectives. And if I could actually honor those perspectives, that's where I can grow. That's where I can learn. That's where we can get to the best decisions, the best actions to take as an organization. It, it really does come down to how do I actually free up the resources that I've got in the organization? Because right now, a lot of them are locked down in a large way because there are people they don't communicate clearly with. And we all that makes them feel uncomfortable. Things don't happen. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, so it, it really is a big thing. As a matter of fact, the, the way we got to this was doing continuous improvement projects and having to spend mm-hmm. so much time with like a project team that just couldn't communicate really well with one another. <laughs> or when they went to sell their ideas to management, they spoke in one language. Management uh, had a different language and they were never actually able to oh, kind of match up. It, that is so true. It was. Oh, that's so true. You know, we, we always used to talk about, you know, Projects didn't fail because of bad answers. Projects failed because they couldn't get them implemented. That was all the biggest processes in the organization. And they're the ones that nobody ever wanted to work on. They wanted us to fix their fulfillment process or their hiring process, whatever process it might be. But they never wanted to fix how they made decisions, how they led, how they communicated, and how they made sure the teams were actually working with one another, pulling in the same direction. They wanted to solve a business process because that kept it safe. Well, it's easier. Getting to emotions. Yeah, it's easier. And, and, and like, oh, I don't And emotions aren't, emotions aren't right or wrong. They're just there. Well, you, yeah. You can't kind and, of ignore them and, and, and hope hope everything will work out fine. It's just, it, that's not a good policy. No, it's a horrible policy. That was yeah. a horrible policy. And I'm and you're, you're spot on. I mean, every big company that I've ever worked at, which I don't work at big companies anymore because I'm one, unemployable and two, mostly unmanageable based on style, probably. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? It's like, I'm an entrepreneur, like don't constrain my world. But I've 
you are 100% right. Like all the experiences I've had with projects that have gone completely sideways were all related to communication and communication style problems. I mean, I like one of the, the co-founder of, I mean, I've co-founded or been at a company with him like three times. His name's Jeff and he's the, the CEO of this company that we formed a while back called Lab Sensor Solutions. And he taught me the most important thing that I ever, no one ever taught me this. It's like, you need to, you need to say the whole truth. And I'm all, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, just listen to when you give a status update. What do you focus on? And I'm like, well, I, I don't understand what you mean. He's like, what do you focus on when you give a status update? And I'm an engineer by training, right? I have an engineering mindset. And I looked at like, I took a hard look at this and I'm like, all I focus on is problems. All, everything is problem, 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 problem. Oh, success, problem, 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 problems. And I'm like wondering why management thinks I'm a knucklehead, <laughs> Right. But that was, that's like, I'm an engineer. My job's to solve problems. If there's no more problems, I don't have a job. But he's like, you got to tell the whole truth. You got to give a balanced view. And it was just remark. Once he told me that, I'm like, man, you're spot on. I have a flat spot when it comes to this. Most engineers do, by the way. Yep. They focus on problems. Yep. Whereas management, fine, they want to hear that the problems are, but they want to know what you've solved because they need to know you're being productive as to what you guys said. So, so well, I, I mean, that goes to your leaders, but even yeah. more, it goes yeah. to who the people you're working with. Mm. Right. I, I mean, mm. one of the things that I, I see, unfortunately, uh, among a bunch of leaders is forgetting to actually lift people up and, and honor and recognize things get, that get done. Mm. And uh, we wonder why people get tired, get burned out. Yeah. Right. Uh, all I got is what's the next problem. I forget to even say thank you at times. And I mean, that that's free and it really helps. It works. You know, people want to be recognized. They just want to know we're paying attention and we actually care about what they're doing. Right. We, we've got to, we've got to make sure that we're not so focused on trying to fix the next thing that's broken that we forget to kind of pat ourselves on the back for the things that people have already gotten done. It's amazing. I mean, I'm a big believer in, in the possibility of people. And, and that's what gets me so excited about this work. Most of our people are right almost all the time. And most of our people receive feedback only when they are wrong. There is something really wrong about that kind of a structure. 100% agree. You know? 100% agree. It's a hard thing to do too, because we're we're actually more attracted to that negative thing. I think, I don't know. There's probably some study that says what percentage, but I'm curious in your own business, how do you deal like Brett, as an example, how, how do you deal with this communication? I mean, y'all are the people, people, <laughs> you know, like you probably got a pretty high bar of like, well, if we can't figure this out, you know, and I'm sure you guys have problems because we're all human, but I'm curious how you apply this to your company. Because so, it's just so fascinating. Yeah, and, and and I will tell you right out of the gates, even though we we literally wrote the book on the subject, <laughs> that that <laughs> does not mean I know it's just so excited to be able to say that. It's like, no, you gotta talk to the guys who wrote the book on this. Oh, thing. Yeah. Like, you wrote hey, the book, bro. Hey, Come that's on. Us. That's us. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, that that said, uh, I will quickly tell you that that doesn't mean that we have it mastered 
to the degree that you know, we never stumble on this stuff. Uh, in the book, we talk about, again, the, the need to understand yourself and understand other styles and then put that, that knowledge to work. And what we're, what we're fighting against is thousands of years of human biology programming. Because really what, what we're talking about here is this, this is how your brain works. This is how all of our brains work, right? We have the, the e emotional center, uh, and then we have the rational thought. We have the neocortex in our brain that you know, allows us to think strategically. Uh, but, but we have the, the, the base of our brain is what kind of guides us on the whole fight or flight kind of thinking. And this was... was extremely valuable for us back in the, uh, you know, when we were all living in caves and we're getting chased by a, a saber toothed tiger. We don't want to have to stop and think, Hmm, what should I do? Where should I go? We want to say, okay, fight or flight. We got to run or we got to do something. Well, unfortunately that, that kind of biology hasn't changed, even though our structures of business have obviously evolved, you know, and, and we're whole, so, so much more, you know, quote unquote, civilized when it comes to that. But when you're in a, in a workplace and you're uh, having you know, workplace conversations and, and uh, passions start to rise, some of that fight or flight kind of comes back into this. So back to the question, you know, Evans and I, I what makes us so successful with applying this content in these ideas ourselves. It's not that we never make a mistake. It's that we recognize when we overstep our bounds and we kind of catch ourselves and we can regroup. We talk about a lot about uh, the need to, to uh, be vulnerable when we work with leaders and we work with teams. Vulnerability largely is the, uh, the ability to say, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I went too far. And the truth is, if people pick up this book and they learn the concepts that are in this book, especially with their team, they are going to have a whole lot easier time with being vulnerable with each other because everybody involved with that team will understand, hey, we're, you know, as part of being people, we have these tendencies and here are some things that sometimes I'm going to do. And if we are vulnerable with each other, we can catch ourselves and we can you know, essentially step back and apologize and say, you know, hey, I, I took that a little bit too far or I overused my strength there. And that is what enables Evans and I and probably everybody else on our team to work so effectively together. And, and we keep talking about it. You know, we, we use that app that I was telling you with the employee directory of styles. We use that internally because we always want people knowing, hey, as we're interacting, while we're working on projects, while we're working with customers, we always want to have these ideas front and center because it's really easy to, to, to overlook them or, or, or stumble on them. Yeah, I would, I would say one of the things that we get out of that is is not just that we actually catch ourselves more quickly, but actually we probably don't end up in that situation quite as often either. Because if I have that appreciation for styles, there are a bunch of times when little style differences actually trigger that fight or flight response. If I have a better understanding of that, I, I realize that's just a different perspective and, and I, I'm able to kind of short circuit yeah. that jump that quickly. And, and there was a study done a few years ago uh, with thousands of people here in the States that said, 62% of the conflict in the workplace was due to personality differences. Um, I believe it. I, 
it's not actually personality differences. I don't think that causes it. I think it's our inability to actually understand personality differences, yeah, right? Point. So, so if I can get a little bit better at this, all of a sudden I find I can actually talk about the actual issues rather than kind of that faux conflict that gets in the way of me being able to actually even address them. So, so I think we help actually in, in kind of several ways as we get a little bit more comfortable with style and, and where Brett was talking about using this uh, with our team. I mean, it does, it comes out in so many different ways. So, uh, so we use that colleague directory, a really quick uh, story where uh, I'm part of the problem, uh, which actually was the original subtitle of this book was solving the people problem and you are the problem. But our editor told us we would never sell a single copy. So we changed oh. the subtitle. I kind of liked it. it. I think it's well, true, right? Because all I can change is me. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. so one of the scales that, that actually we measure is, um, is how structured we are. And, and our director of operations, yeah, she holds down the, the structured end of that scale. Um, as you might have picked up, I hold down the other end of that scale. That leads to a really interesting conversation because I tend to give her a lot of work. But I'm kind of giving her like cardinal directions, go north. And she's like, wait a minute, where, where's, where's the street map here? Right. I mean, yeah. at some point, it, it kind of helps us talk about, okay, wait a minute, we've, we've got to think about how we're communicating because my communication is not necessarily meeting her need to be able to actually take the action she needs to take. So, so we need to kind of talk about that and get some better rules of the road where we can be more successful, right? It's all about how can we use these tools to be more practical and more successful in the relationships we have and in the work that we're accomplishing. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It's interesting that you bring up that kind of an example because the when, when startups scale and you guys are scaling your own startup as well. So you probably understand this a little bit, but the skills that got you to where you are will not get you to where you need to be. Absolutely. And a lot of problems with companies going in the trough of sorrow or the Valley of despair, whatever you want to call it relates to scaling and exactly what you just said about styles, because as you scale more people come in and as more people come in, naturally from diversity point of view, like just generally there's a distribution of humanity and you now need to integrate them into a culture. You need to integrate them into a process that's going to make them successful. And I think it's interesting if you take this kind of people first approach or your framework, right? Um, what, what, what the other cool thing is about writing the book on this is that you guys are held accountable to make it better and better and better. Right. I mean, I wrote the book called the entrepreneur ethos. So I got to be the, you know, I, I hold the standard, right? Like yeah. I take that serious. And, you know, of course it's my opinion, it's your opinion, but like that raises the bar for everyone. And, and I like that approach too, because I, I personally believe that if you learn something, you need to share it. And I really appreciate the, the way you guys kind of went about it. And it's great that you guys are such good co-founders, you know, like, I hear a lot of horror stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been good. And, and, and Jerry, I know that, you know, a, a big part of the goal that you have for this, this podcast is to give entrepreneurs tips, advice, and tools that they can use. And uh, as we were talking about in the, uh, the pre-show, we have a tool of uh, a free survey that people can use uh, to, to get an understanding of where do they currently sit on these ideas we're talking about. Um, it's a survey that gives them a, uh, both a, a ranking 
or not in a ring, but a score on, on how they're doing on how well they understand themselves and how well they understand other people's styles and, and communication practices. But more importantly, it'll give them some very tangible, practical tips, things they can start doing right now based on their score of what they can do to become a little more emotionally intelligent and, and, and put this stuff to work. Uh, but that's something we can offer to anybody who's listening. All they have to do is go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com and look for the link that says, what's my disc EQ? And if they do that, they'll go to the landing page for the survey. And for the access code, let's have them put in ethos for the show. And if they put in ethos, they get to take that survey absolutely for free. Like I said, they get that personalized report. And the nice thing for us is that it's also contributing to the ongoing research that we're trying to do around this topic. So we're constantly putting out new articles and new information around what we're finding on the state of emotional intelligence in, in businesses large and small. So, you know, if if anybody who's listening goes to solvingthepeopleproblem.com, takes that survey, they're both going to get a really great, valuable report for themselves, and they're going to be helping contribute to the research around this idea. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's really important to do. I really think that this is one of those neglected areas in the world, yeah. you know. And so finally, you know, Brett Evans, what advice would you give to the next generation of entrepreneurs coming up? What do you think? Sure. So I, I think for me, the, the important thing about being an entrepreneur is um, probably being a little bit, a little bit careful in how far ahead of your skis you get. Because one of the things that we see crushes a lot of people who are starting to get out there is they just, they financially burn through what they can do, right? So um, so I want to be a little bit careful about that. The other thing is, I would say it's about EQ as much as it is about whatever your idea is. Uh, whatever your idea is, just like our projects with organizations, you're not going to get it implemented unless you can get to the right people, talk to the right people, create the right relationships to create enough energy around turning your little idea into a much bigger idea and have much more impact in the world. And Jerry, I'm going to take that and just double down on it uh, a little bit, put a little bit different flavor on it in that as entrepreneurs, we have people that we are engaging to help us scale, to help us be successful. And as we've talked about on this show, the discussions around the people problem, around communication practices, communication styles, this doesn't happen. So what my advice to a young entrepreneur or even a, you know, a, a long-time entrepreneur that's starting a new venture, one of the first things you should do, engage everybody who you have involved in these kinds of ideas. Get them understanding th where they sit on this, this uh, uh, idea of emotional intelligence. Help everybody who is part of your organization understand themselves and understand other people. Because by doing that, you are going to give a shot in the arm to everything that you try to do. It's like giving steroids to your business, because if you can get your people to work more effectively together, everything you're trying to do is going to become more easy. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that's a great place to end. So Brett Evans, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for the free offer to all my listeners and uh, good luck to what you guys are doing. Keep in touch and stay safe. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Brett and Evans, for a great conversation. I really enjoy <laughs> talking about 
how we can be uh, better leaders and better um, managers of people as well as, you know, just interacting more with each other or at least uh, re- interacting better, I guess would be the word I'd use. So thanks for that. And as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from Brett and Evans. Understand your EQ, which is your emotional te- intelligence quotient, and make it a point of improving your interpersonal skills. These two things can be the most important thing you can do as a leader, as an entrepreneur, right? And Evans and Brett uh, actually do this at Solving the People Problem, which is their website. And if you go there and you use the code ethos, you can take this assessment for free. So I'd highly recommend doing this. It's always good to understand how you uh, interact with people and how you make decisions, etc. So really great offer. Thanks guys for that. One of the most common reasons that startups fail is because of a breakdown in relationships. Make a point of learning about the about others' differences and appreciate what they can bring to the table. And we talk a lot about this about finding your co-founder and everyone, you know, I've talked to about this is about having a co-founder and people you work with that have complementary skills. And also really understanding how you guys communicate and being very open to disagreement and trying to work through it. And, you know, this has been proven time and time again that other than running out of money, it's usually founder problems that crush a company. A strong leader is someone who is willing to be vulnerable and acknowledge the the mistakes that you make and also learning from them. So being humble you know, being very uh, aware of your limitations, not having a lot of ego um, is really going to do well for your career as an entrepreneur. Uh, hard to do, believe me, sometimes I've had this problem in the past, but I think uh, if you work on that, it'll be something that will be extremely valuable to you in your career. So there you go. Some actionable insights from what I learned from Brett and Evans on our conversation. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.